Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. So do you get um, blackouts here and stuff? Storm? Man, that's a miracle. In a, that is a miracle in itself, yeah. Yeah. So we're like in um, Kenthurst and we had like a complete blackout at dinner at Em's aunt's place. We're just like in the middle of like eating a delicious barbecue. Just like blackout, boom. There you go. And no. The, and yeah. then the generator didn't work. So we're in real blackout, double blackout. Yeah, I was, because um, it cooled down, I decided to do some exercise out on the grass area. Yeah, yeah. I literally just finished. So I was packing up all my exercise equipment yeah. and then just the wind blew through. It was... Yeah, actually reminded me of like Sinai a little bit. Well, it just made me reflect <laughs> yeah. upon that moment when Yahweh's comes oh, down and everyone's like yeah. just terrified. Yeah. Because you kind of really go, oh, yeah. And I just yeah. saw this storm and I was like, I actually damaged some of the trees in the activity center. Like some mm. fairly sizable branches came down. Yeah. And it's like, wow, like that's like a pretty small little storm. Imagine, anyway, God's yeah. power. I always think about, I always think about Sinai when I hear a storm. I'm like, yeah, like seeing god's glory must be terrifying I was, I was literally laughing because we're obviously pastors i'm like sitting in a black room i was like i feel like the image of jesus being the light was a lot more profound to people living in a time before yeah. electricity because yeah. darkness at, at night would have been so much more all-consuming mm. outside of a lamp you know a tiny fire yeah. you know which so, makes um, jesus words you don't like hide a lamp under yeah bushel, which makes sense because yeah got no power yeah you need that yeah 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 candle yeah and uh, yeah so it's kind of like that double meaning of not Mm. only that it's something that like should be lifted on high and shared but when you hide it it actually makes everything Mm. like it's just interesting how these things you just like completely miss like part of it when you're living in a world outside of it you gotta like almost meditate even deeper on these ideas what it means but it was a it's crazy the wind was so strong just blew through for about five minutes it was it, it kind of felt like war of the worlds like it was this yeah. like incoming yeah. ufo where we were of cloud absolutely wild yeah and then so, yeah. really got no rain and no storm so so weird because i checked my phone i was like oh, i better check in case i need to charge it up because we're going to lose power for sure let's get dinner ready in case we lose uh, yeah, no, didn't lose power so. <laughs> miracle center always loses power <laughs> yes un- un- unlike sinai the storm passed quickly <laughs> yeah well, hey Mitch, yeah. I got some great news. Yeah. I think we've done it this week. I mean, it was all you, but Storm, <laughs> Storm. Sinai, Moses. Yes, yeah, Jesus is greater than Moses. We did it. That was, that was one of the. I think that was the best one this year. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, from, from our three weeks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was a high bar. We did it. Yeah. We did it. Well, it was a real. Uh, yeah, just really cool again to look at hebrews 3 and 4 and as you kind of mentioned on sunday i mean you we did kind of joke last week that the reason we're doing such big chunks of hebrews to get through it before the holidays which is partly true but also it is one of those letters which even more so than others has this really structured theme and and sort of almost Mm -hmm. ribbon you know scarlet thread running through um so i I suppose the first question that i'd love to ask is we were talking about this continually unfurling argument that's sort of being um presented to the original listeners um what is this next passage of scripture chapters three and four of hebrews what's it adding 
to the story of the letter yeah. so far. So it's so they're there for Hollies and brothers and sisters, yeah. connecting with like chapter two about Jesus yeah. being the high priest, the one yeah. who was made just like us. Mm-hmm. So we're sharing like his flesh and blood, despite Jesus being God. And that whole if you know himself suffered when tempted is able to help those who are being tempted. And so it's this setting up this theme, okay, if you're feeling like mm-hmm. you can't persevere, therefore, mm. the holy brothers and sisters share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom mm. we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. And so we'll pick that up next week, the high priest mm. language. Actually, the first time in Scripture Jesus called apostle. Apostle just means sent mm. one. So Interesting. And that's kind of what, jumping ahead, but that high priest image, it's kind of connected to like Sabbath and the uh, Day of Atonement, the forgiveness of sins that led to like a Sabbath rest for the people mm. of God. Mm. And so, yeah, by Jesus being able to enter into rest, it's subtly pointing to Jesus mm. offering forgiveness mm. of sins. Um, mm. Yeah, that seems to be what one commentator, one of, one of the many commentaries I read, yeah, he yeah, argued yeah. that seemed to be one of the theological issues potentially for these Jewish Christians is, oh, am I truly forgiven? Hmm. Because chapter 13 unpacks a bit of like, mm. oh, we don't need like ritual meals or there's only, and all that. And so his argument yeah. is that there might have been this sense of, oh, we're not forgiven. So therefore, yeah. and that's yeah. what he's really doing, setting up Jesus as, because he spends a lot of time talking mm. about Jesus being high priest. Mm. And so, so this argument here is kind of, he's sort of dropping those hints a bit because Moses mm. was, because even though he wasn't a priest, priest like Aaron, like mm. he still he was one who served at the altar. He was the one who spoke to God mm. face to face, and Moses interceded on behalf of the Israelites so he wouldn't yeah. get wiped out. So yeah, there's yeah, yeah. Christ-like yeah. Sort of figure in that yeah. way. Yeah, so, so it is. Um, yeah, he, he does a very good job at not denigrating Moses, which mm. would have been very difficult. I, I kind of made reference to, yeah, some. Yeah, images of Moses and one of them, yeah, equal glory to the holy ones. He'll be placed on a heavenly throne. This idea somewhere in one of the books that Moses actually went into heaven and told the angels, hey, come on, bring Torah down to us. Like This is like Jewish, Jewish sort literature. of literature. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. In that second I, think temple. He, I think he said almost it was like he was the fourth member of the Trinity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and, and, and obviously... Mm some of that would have had a hangover effect for first mm. century yeah. Jewish Christians, mm. for sure. Oh, totally. Um, it's really interesting what you say about this almost, um, I, I suppose, sudden need to no longer sacrifice animals mm. for purity. I'm just, uh, it's such a dumb comparison, but I'm almost thinking of when I was younger um, and I was complaining to a guy at Just Jeans that my jeans were always wearing out. And he's like, yeah, you got to stop washing it every time. Because I was like, what, putting them in the wash every uh, single time. Yep. It's this weird thing, like, even though they weren't dirty, like when mm. you're wearing them for a second or third time, like, you, I imagine, like, I kind of started to feel a bit dirty. I imagine some of these, like, Jewish Christians, they would have started to feel almost spiritually dirty at mm. times because they're so used to being covered by the blood of sacrificial yeah. animals and suddenly they're not. Like, that's a weird thing to suddenly yeah. just be at complete peace with and completely let go of mm. as cultural custom. Like, that. I can I can kind of understand yeah. that in some way in my weird gene analogy yeah. that yeah, like yeah, it would have kind of had that vibe to it. And, and it, it sorry. You oh go. no, I was just gonna say, and hopefully, kind of looking at it, Book of Hebrews, big like ten thousand feet. You're starting to see how that argument's flowing. Starting off with God, you know, and previously He used prophets. Mm-hmm. Now He's revealed in the Son. Sort of set up 
the son being heir of everything. Mm. So i.e. son superior to servants and angels. Yeah. And then using that, starting with that angel argument and with that Jewish understanding of angels delivering Torah mm-hmm. and going, hey, like, you know, those angels that delivered the law originally, hey, mm-hmm. you, will, you will punish if you didn't obey that. How much more the yeah, son? Yeah, yeah. And then he kind of shifts into Jesus being the one who inherit the whole world mm. again as a man yeah, also yeah. as God and then going into that whole hey and you know Jesus is made like us mm. and then picking up now Moses so that kind mm. of that thread is continuing like, oh yeah so it's building yeah, upon yeah. that and then connecting that in with the wilderness generation it's a yeah. great connection because you think Moses totally totally like the most faithful Israelite you'd get yeah. but even he fell short yeah ultimately yeah. and then connect that in with the wilderness generation it's, mm. sort of, it's a great Kind of contrast. You got Moses, who's very faithful. Yeah. Wilderness generation or unfaithful. Yeah. And even Joshua tying in with that a bit. Joshua yeah, yeah, yeah. And Moses. It was a really interesting thing. It was something you brought up um, right at the start after Alex had read Hebrews 3 and 4, um, which was this motif of hardened hearts. Um, I was just saying to you before we started recording, I couldn't help but think of that idea of Pharaoh's heart being hardened and also him choosing to harden it at various mm. times in Exodus. I mean, first of all, just another beautiful example of the way that this letter is so thoughtfully written to incorporate that motif from Exodus of Pharaoh's hardened heart into then speaking about the wilderness generation of hardened hearts, kind of bringing in that story of Moses' Exodus and now saying, don't be like that. Don't almost be like Pharaoh. Um, Yeah, it's just, you know, it kind of once again highlights just how much so much of this scripture is so dense and really requires meditation and coming back to it again and again. And the reality is, like, if you hadn't read Exodus in a while and hadn't been thinking about that motif Mm. of a hardened heart, you might sort of miss that in this section of Hebrews. But really, I mean, just so thoughtful. And whoever wrote this, obviously, just understood Torah and really, like, Old Testament literature, which we'll Mm. look at Psalm 95 in a Mm. bit, so deeply and so well. Yes, I, I read one commentary that said, obviously, the author of Hebrews was trained in the art of rhetoric yeah. and using their gift for the glory of God. Mm. Like, that's it. It's like, hey, they had this gift in writing and speaking. So yeah. Yeah. used it so brilliantly well here. Yeah. you your um, attention. <laughs> absolutely. You dropped a little... Um, kind of fun Greek fact about the word lege. For those who maybe haven't studied Greek before and only maybe speak English, the idea of words that are in different tenses Mm. might be a bit confusing. Can you unpack that a bit for us? So lege is present tense. What does that mean? It means it's like current. It's happening right now. Okay. Um, So in Greek, you have like past tense. Obviously, we understand the English. We add an ED. It happened. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. It will happen. Yeah. So what... What it's saying is, so as the Holy Spirit says, lege, it's like it's happening now. Yeah. It's not, oh, the Holy Spirit spoke. Yeah. Holy Spirit says. It doesn't seem yes, like yeah. much, but actually it's showing that there's God's word is still active. Yeah. And he sort of picks that theme up. So verse 7, so as the Holy Spirit says, today you hear his voice. Then he says in verse 12, see to it. Brothers and sisters, none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Mm. And then the, the word of God is alive and active. Yeah. Or in some translations, living and active. Yeah. So there's so that idea there that God's, God is always present and yes. his word, which is spoken to us, is still present and 
for his people all the time. Yeah, it may have been spoken in the past, but God is still using that today. And it's even made more so because Psalm 95 is like, today, if you hear his voice. Yeah. It's got to act today. Yeah. Which I think is great. Well, once again, you kind of see the writer, even before he directly references it, like playing off that Psalm 95 Mm. again and again with that idea of today. Mm. Um, Did we want to maybe quickly read Psalm 95 before we chat about it a bit? I've got it here. Yeah. Yeah, So so this is from the NIV translation. It says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is, is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, uh, as you did that day at Meribah. Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me though they had seen what I had done. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said there are people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my way so I declared an, on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest. Mm. Mm. There's um yeah so much in that passage that you see is informing sort of Hebrews 3. Um, what sort of sticks out for you in particular in all of that? Um, the beginning of the psalm, it starts off with like, you know, let us sing rejoicing and shouting for salvation and reminding of God's um, sovereignty and supremacy. His hands are in the depth of the earth, mm-hmm. i.e. the ocean and mm-hmm. the mountain peaks belong to him. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, and mm-hmm. the sea is his. So it's so like showing like this image almost like God's like hand just holding the earth up somehow. Yeah. Which, yeah it's kind of interesting. Hebrews 1 sort of refers to that a bit. Jesus yeah. upholding the world, power of his word. Yeah, and just that idea of bowing down to God. And then it's like, hey, today, if you hear his voice, mm-hmm. you need to respond to this God. Mm-hmm. And then using the wilderness generation as an example of that. So you notice a little bit of difference in the Psalm 95 compared to the Hebrews version. So Hebrews is using the LXX, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So there's a few little differences there, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the same message comes across. The main motifs yes. and ideas are <laughs> yeah. all there. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I think one thing that um, is, is interesting is that psalm ends with, so I declared on oath in my anger, mm. they shall never enter my rest, mm. which is this other interesting theme which sort of goes into Hebrews 3 and 4 yes. about this idea of rest. Mm. Um, it's something that we've spoken about a bit before, but Hebrews, I think particularly for you were saying before we were recording, has something in particular which has quite a unique insight into into yeah. rest. Um, so it actually, according to commentators, so Hebrews 4 verse 9, it says here, uh, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Mm. And the word in Greek is sabbatosmos. That's how you say it. Know, I'm a bit rusty Nailed on it. Greek. Nailed yeah, it. yeah, you know. Um, apparently that did not exist. Like the author of Hebrews sort of made that word it's up. It's just Shakespeare to word up. Yeah. I love and, it. Uh, and so the idea being, and so it seems like he's riffing off kind of Jewish, other Jewish literature, mm. which, mm. and so there's, there's a book written by the rabbis, and it's just called Genesis Rubber. And apparently, according to the rabbis, it said, the Sabbath is the image of the world to come. Mm. And so what Hebrews is doing is like, 
is that midrash? I think I've used that word already. It's taking yeah. one concept in scripture and using other scripture to build upon sure. that. So he's using Psalm 95 to talk about rest. And Psalm 95 is using Exodus mm. to build upon that psalm about the people being disobedient and listening to God's yeah. voice. And then he's using Genesis 2-2 to build upon that idea of rest. Well, here's what an image of rest looks like. Mm. And then he's using Joshua. It's like, mm. well, Joshua couldn't provide rest, so there must be a future rest to come. That makes sense. A future a, Joshua. A future Joshua, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, like I said, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, Joshua, yeah. Joshua. Yeah. So, it's a bit, so it gets a bit complex. This is where the book gets dense and you need to know the Old Testament. Mm. But, yeah, what... What Psalm 95 is implying is because it's written to the psalmist is written to his generation. They will shall never enter my rest. Yeah, it's talking about what happened in the past, but it's also kind of pointing to the future. And Hebrews makes that explicit. Mm. So like the rest he's talking about is not just the past. Mm. That's what Hebrews is doing. It's almost like a commentary mm. on Psalm 95. It's like, well, that rest isn't the rest of entering into the land of Canaan and settling down there. It's a rest that the second Joshua, Jesus, will have to provide. Mm. So here's sort of a snapshot of what that will look like. And Genesis 2-2 gives us that image, which is why I got Craig to read it out. Mm. Quite beautiful. You know, <laughs> Apparently you could hear him on the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big booming but, voice. But yeah, that, that idea that the God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Mm. So that... Yeah, in that sort of brief verse, you get an image of, well, you think of something that's blessed, mm. like, ah, oh, something good about it. We know that the world is very good. Mm. So if God blesses something, there's a goodness to it. And when something is holy, mm. yeah, it's it's perfect. And we know that, well, as Craig said, unholy is the opposite of holiness, he yeah. said on sin. Sunday, but <laughs> sin. Yeah, and yeah. so a, a, the, the rest of God, it's what you see, a place that's blessed and that's holy. Mm. Uh, so if we go to like other scriptures, such as Revelation, we get a depiction of what that mm. possibly may look like in mm. Revelation of like mm. New Jerusalem coming down, mm. yeah, uh, rivers flowing through the city of Jerusalem, and yeah. So it's hard to take some the symbolic imagery, obviously, of yeah. Revelation, but yeah, it gives us an idea of what it will look like this mm. world recreated, mm. and mm. in fact, it's what. And again, this is the the depth of Hebrews is that in Hebrews chapter 2 if I just pull it up here talks about the, um, what that Psalm 8 passage was man that you mind yep. for him is son yep. of man and it said in putting thing under him God left nothing that's not subject to him yet at present we do not see everything subject to him i.e. the world to come mm-hmm. so even that there he's kind of talking using that image of Jesus as the true son of man mm having dominion over this earth. Mm. And now he's picking up that image again and talking mm. about it with rest. So it's mm. just sort of building upon, building upon, mm. ampli- almost like amplifying his argument. Yeah. So he kind of drops the argument, then he builds upon it almost subtly. Like mm. it's not sort of smacking in the face like a wet mm. fish. But mm. when you start to look for these themes, that 10,000 feet view, you start to go, oh, hang on. I feel like I've read something like that before. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chapter two about yeah. mankind taking over the world. And now... Yeah, we've got here yeah. the reference to Jesus' rest. So, you yeah. do you you did correctly say you know this vision of rest that we're giving in in Revelation is uh, very symbolic. 
and metaphorical and mm. all those things. Pretty much mean the same thing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> what's another synonym for metaphorical? <laughs> uh, it's, it's analogous. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, it can be a bit tricky to understand what, what, what practically does rest yeah. look like for mm. us today. Um, what would be your thoughts Great on that? question. And it's something I wrestled with quite a lot this week. Um, I found this this concept of now, not yet. Have you come across, have you done that in Bible college? The now, yeah. not yet of the kingdom. Yeah. So it just means that the kingdom of God is here. Mm. It's like Jesus is ruling and reigning. Yeah. But we haven't seen the kingdom come in its fullness. Yeah. So to yeah. use that Hebrews 2 language, the world hasn't been subjected to Jesus. So he's not, his true dominion is not here yet. Yeah. So like a foretaste, I think, yeah, is like a classic NT right yeah. word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Signpost. He yeah, likes yeah, to use yeah. that too. Yeah. Um, and so rest of me, I, look, I looked at Genesis 2. I was like, okay, if something is holy and blessed, and we were just saying this before about how, yeah, it's all about sin, so it's all about evil, it's all about suffering. Mm. I spoke a bit on Sunday about the idea of resting. We kind of think automatically in English to sleeping. I mm-hmm. think God rested because yeah. maybe he was tired and needed to sleep. And so I like the, the word ceasing better. So God ceased cre- from creating, not because he was tired, but mm. because it was done. Mm. And mm. it was, yeah, John Walton talks a lot about this in his Old Testament mm. commentaries about how yeah, that's what rulers would do. They'd sort of take control over chaos. Perhaps, you know, it's the example of a king fighting an army to conquer a country. Mm. He's finished fighting, so he ceased fighting. Now he can begin his rule and rest, mm. doing the job that he's supposed to do. Sure. The same way God's created the, the world mm. in six days. On the seventh day, he's blessed it, made it holy, and now the earth can do what its function was for, what God created it for and that was for mm. humans to populate it to spread out eden to mm. use that language mm. and to be rulers over it mm. and so in, in the in revelation i think it's chapter seven let me pull it up um it gives us a snapshot of what the people of god will be doing mm-hmm. um yeah and it's not just sitting around um lying like on clouds sure uh, so this is revelation um chapter 7 from verse 14 uh, it says here these are they who've come out of the great tribulation they have washed their robes and made them uh, white in the blood of the lamb which is a very interesting image then he um, not a laundry tip that we would no. subscribe to yeah. <laughs> I want to unpack that now but um, then it quotes from Isaiah 49 and Isaiah 49.10 um, and it says here they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so this idea here being before the throne of God and serving him in his not day and night in his temple and to show that there's some sort of mm. activity there's some mm. sort of work happening mm. i'm not sure what that will look like mm. and what Isaiah 49 was like originally mm. envisioning but revelations are showing that those that come through salvation when they get to the other side will be in new heavens and new earth and they will be serving god mm. but it won't be work where they'll get hungry where they'll thirst the sun won't be beating down on them and they'll have springs of living water. So it's this idea of like, we'll be working and serving 
like Adam and Eve were supposed to do mm. without, I guess, the harshness, the curse of sin. Mm. And so that's how I see that rest entering. It won't just be, we'll just lounge around for eternity. There'll be purposeful, meaningful work mm. serving God, but mm. it just will be without the effects of sin. Mm. And so that's how I see like, the rest that's yeah. being offered, which is sort of that snapshot in Genesis 2 2. And yeah, and obviously the Sabbath rest for the Israelites, it was ingrained in their society. Life's not just all work, 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 work. There's an element of rest. So mm. I guess it also would probably may incorporate actual idea of physical rest. But that's, mm. how, that's how I see this idea of salvation, of fulfilling God's purposes mm. without harsh labor, without. Yeah, harsh intensity. Yeah, I think it's something we've spoken about before, but it can be sometimes hard from a Western perspective to recognize how countercultural this idea of rest is. Like mm. it wasn't historically until Constantine, like in the you know fourth mm. century, like essentially instated a almost mandatory Sabbath mm. in the Roman Empire. This was a revolutionary idea. Like mm. most people just worked seven days a week and didn't really have this idea. You know, there were probably public festivals throughout the year that you'd take a day off. But this idea of a weekly rest um, is uniquely Jewish and Christian and very much countercultural mm. to what most people do. And I think also just a really a really valuable thing to consider that it is so countercultural and is something that we're called to do in capacity uh, when we now look at a world that is post-Christendom, look at a world that is 24-7 delivery and mm. gig economy and all of this stuff where people are juggling so many things of, you know, maybe work and study and, you know, all these other side hustles, whatever it might be, it can be really easy to suddenly go, oh, I haven't actually rested mm. um there's something really interesting about that and i think that yeah it's um something which we can i think too easily fall into just not actually ceasing and mm. not actually stopping and i think there's not only a need in our own bodies to rest but i think to actually just create and carve out some time for spiritual reflection mm. yeah. <laughs> like god speaks to us in the silence god mm. speaks to us when we're still and actually allow him to yeah speak and i think that that um is not just good for our body but good for our spirit to rest and cease yeah. we were talking about this before at lunch about how like sundays are no longer sacred even the weekends not really yeah longer sacred like people's jobs sure yeah so there's no real like holy time anymore and and not not in a sort of yeah societal yeah, yeah way uh, and so yeah and how do you kind of do life as a Christian when your job may require you to be working yeah. weekends and yeah. yeah and I guess that's part of I guess that's always been the challenge for the church because funnily enough not actually prescribed the Sabbath and that, that's a kind of a big can of worms to open like why because yeah, obviously there's some Christian groups that still worship on the Saturday yep. traditionally the Sabbath and yeah so it's just interesting the early church which was full of Jews saw that Jesus' resurrection was so significant they changed the day of worship from yeah. the Saturday to the Sunday. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. says it speaks volumes there. Oh. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I just, yeah, I do find interesting how I guess that's part of, yeah, being the New Test, New Covenant church is that we wrestle with sort of these ideas. We're not like the Jews where it was really clear. 
mm. Jewish society was like, here's what you do. Mm. Life revolves around mm. six plus one, one day off. And mm. they're able to work around that even with the Roman Empire. Mm. Um, but yeah, now it's very different for us as Christians. So mm. yeah, looking to that rest of Jesus, that which is what which is what Hebrews is warning. It's like, like yeah, you guys are going to throw this all in for mm. yeah, miss out on the rest. That mm. yeah, Joshua couldn't offer it, and like the yeah. the promised land is described in. Oh, I've just got one passage here, Deuteronomy twenty eight eleven. So you know, it'll be full of abundant prosperity. You mm. know, the fruit mm. of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your, the crops of your ground. That, that, yeah, like I was going to say, I didn't realize there were crocs in the, crocs in the ground. Yeah, in the promised land. Crocs, crocs, sounds very yeah, comfortable. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, but that um, yeah, the idea of the land being quite prosperous and abundant, yeah, yeah. it's there, and he's saying, well, even Joshua couldn't offer that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mm. that was again, NT right. It's just a signpost, a foretaste. Yeah. Of, yeah, and I think that there's something even incredibly, dare I say, spiritual about needing to intentionally block out rest in advance. Um, about going, hey, I'm actually going to make an intentional decision to prioritize, you know, my health, um, again, both physical and spiritual and my relationship mm. with God um, by actually in advance putting some time into my calendar mm. to, um, you know, go, hey, this is for me. I was um, reading Eugene Peterson last year and he said about uh, it can be quite tricky sometimes to say to somebody, sorry, I'm busy. I'm going to be praying or I'm going to be reading the Bible at that time. He goes, so I put it into my calendar and then I say to people, sorry, I can't. My calendar says I'm busy. Mm. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we almost give more authority to calendars than what God calls us to yeah. do in carving out time. But that, I don't know, maybe a practical <laughs> yeah, Because I'll be oh, literally put in your calendar, you know. Yeah, look, I remember seeing an old cartoon which similar to that a guy praying I think it's pastor praying and he's on his knees and the guy was saying oh good you're not busy can we catch up it's just dot 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 and it's the idea of just yeah, yeah prayer kind of gets pushed to yeah the back burner yeah sometimes so yeah mm. well it's a tricky thing when it's something that technically we can do at any time Yes. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, it almost comes back to those um, those quadrants. What's yes. important but not urgent, mm. you know? I think a lot of the time our relationship with God can be put in that category of important but not urgent. Yeah. So it gets pushed down to the bottom of the list and yeah. ensuring that those things are prioritized. Mm. Um, there's a kind of re- really interesting idea um, about the wilderness generation mm. and about them grumbling. Um, mm. And I suppose, like, the question that I want to ask is how do we avoid becoming grumblers? Like when life gets tough and we're prone to give up and grumble, you kind of spoke about the importance of us having persistence Mm. in that. Um, And obviously there's prayer and saying, Hey God, can you help me? Um, Are there other kind of practical ideas that you think about, I don't know, being able to push through periods without becoming negative, without becoming (laughs) a a grumbling wilderness generation? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, going back to that idea of Jesus, which in chapter two, and I've quoted it a number of times, that him suffering when tempted and able to help us. I think that, yeah, sometimes we like to think that our experiences are either the most difficult that anyone's ever experienced mm-hmm. or unique to us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's almost like a bit of a reality check of like, oh, actually. Uh, we actually worship a God that understands what sort of some of the struggles and pains that we have. He's not so far removed that human emotions just like beneath him. Um, mm. 
Yeah, and so I've found that like going through the book of like actually, you know, that's for me that's a real comfort and hope, and sort of, but yeah, fix your what says there in chapter three, verse one, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Mm. Yeah, so how how does that look like? Mm. Look to the example of Jesus, almost like those. What would Jesus do? All that stuff. Um, Look, that is the easy answer. Reality is, sometimes life it is really challenging, and that's what I like about Hebrews. Is it doesn't necessarily just go. Oh, like I said yesterday, life life will be a cakewalk. Yeah, it's, it's quite robust and challenging. That way it's, yeah. It will be it will be challenging, but here is yeah, here's some kind of comfort for you. Yeah, f- fix your thoughts on Jesus, and yeah, he, he will, and then just a re- reminder that well, he was also faithful to God just as Moses was faithful but Jesus was superior to that so you mm. sort of got two really great examples mm. of faithfulness yeah. Moses was faithful as a servant but Christ was faithful as a son mm. I didn't really talk about this at all it's, it says here um, yeah um, and we are his house mm. which is pretty because he talks about like, God being the builder mm. of everything it's mm. like well who's greater the builder or the builder it's like well clearly the builder for a building to exist you need a builder yeah. God's the builder of everything mm-hmm. which again ties back into what's been said earlier Jesus is the one through whom the world was created yeah uh, it says that we are his house which mm. not a literal house like mm. house in the sense of dynasty yeah like God promised David a house and he yeah. talked about a family so yeah. part of God's family yeah if in this is actually a bit scary I should have talked about this it's actually a scary little passage and we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So it's a bit conditional there. It's like, if indeed we hold firmly. It's mm. like, oh, that's a bit of a juicy little sentence there. Yeah. yeah it's almost like, well, yeah, you can't kind of, you only part of the house if you continue on. You can't just sort of be, oh, yeah, I'm part of it, but not really. And I kind mm. of do it when I choose. It's, it's yeah. it holding on firmly. Very much mm. ties into that steadfast imagery. Yes. And even in the way that, you know, yeah. almost like a tower of Jenga, mm. you know, if you just pull a brick out suddenly from a house, yeah. like it's not just about that brick being there. It can actually, you know, I suppose, compromise the structural integrity yeah. of the entire house. And I then think of us as a body of believers, as a house, if one person is to suddenly pull out, you know, if one person is to suddenly lose their faith, if one person is to suddenly stop playing their part in the body, in the house, mm. in the whatever sort of imagery you want, it can, you know, have ramifications to the rest of the body. Mm. And there's this sort of responsibility then outside yeah. of just our own relationship with God that we are meant to be working together as a family mm. um, to be ensuring that, yeah, each member is built up. And if yeah. one part of the body hurts, if one part of the house is, you know, broken, then the whole house is going to get leaking yeah. and, you know, fill up with Start water or crumble. whatever. Yeah, I actually, kind of actually made a note, which I didn't talk about yesterday. So that we are part of his, if we hold firmly, and that word, like confidence, it says there, could also be translated as boldness, hmm. fearless. Hmm. And it's like, oh, like yeah, we got to be, hold firmly to our boldness. Yeah. Or like, be fearless and hope in which we glory because uh, mm. yeah that tie actually ties in very well like yeah, yeah with what is wa- the warning about the wilderness generation so yeah mm. totally totally mm. any uh, final thoughts on Hebrews 3 and 4 um, yeah I, I, th- I asked that question which I think we're all guilty of about how many times we started how many started a project yeah. 
and sort of just given up and it gets difficult and mm. yeah chapter 12 in Hebrews really unpacks that more so mm. that'll be a fun message to go through mm. but I, I see that similar things here is like don't become that wilderness generation yeah no. the implication is you should know the story so when you think of the wilderness generation you know that they were rescued from Egypt mm-hmm. out of slavery like just miracle after miracle they witnessed yeah and yeah, even being in the desert, they were fed every day with manna. Whenever water ran out, God provided it. Whenever there was armies they had to fight, God gave them victory if they mm-hmm. were faithful. Mm-hmm. And so, of all the generations that should have had faith, it should have been them. Oh like man, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it actually like witnessed the crossing of the Red Sea. Like, just what a remarkable. Fight. Dude, they had a pillar of fire. And a <laughs> yeah, pillar, I know. That's what I always <laughs> say. Like, they had a twenty-four-seven reminder, yeah. whether it be a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud, mm, that yeah. was like guiding them the whole time. Yeah, it's like, dude, twenty-four-seven. You've got a visual, like, miracle occurring yeah, right in front of you. Like, they're the ones that saw God's glory come down at Sinai. Yeah, like I said, like just a little storm here, like it's quite terrifying. Oh yeah, I imagine seeing that, and they still. Caved in. So, yeah, I guess too, I see it the practical thing is don't become the next wilderness generation. Mm. And so, if that, if that generation that saw everything still managed to falter, there's mm. how much harder is it for us? Like, none of us have seen, I don't know, I certainly haven't seen Jesus' glory like mm. the New Testament authors did or the Old Testament prophets did. And so, yeah, in, in those moments where you're feeling discouraged or if God's not enough, you can begin to wonder. Uh, so a few times we chuck it, throw anchors into bedrock that isn't Jesus. Mm. So yeah, while Jewish customs aren't probably the temptation that we're longing for, there's mm. certainly other temptations. And yeah, uh, if you're kind of to contextualize it, think about well, what is the the Moses in your life? Who mm. is the who is just the servant, metaphorically? Mm. When Jesus is greater than that, and. Mm. Yeah, and think about too, like everything that we, I suppose at our core, we are trying to, every day it's just fighting against the, the curse of Genesis 3. Mm. You know, we're sitting in an air-conditioned room right now mm. because it's hot mm. and we want to remain comfortable. Like mm. that's part of the curse is there's a weather patterns are uncomfortable and make mm. us sweaty. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, even that, like we're in the room. The to sweat of our brow. It's yeah. part of the curse. <laughs> we're, we're sitting in this air-conditioned room because like, oh, we're trying to fight against the curse. Yeah. And so oh, I'm I trying guess, to create a foretaste of heaven yeah, with yeah, air-conditioned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah. And so I think all our idols, they are offering a false rest. Hmm. Uh, it's just being hmm. reminded of that is that, well, Jesus is the only one that offers hmm. that true rest. And so if you... Believe in the word of God and the power of scripture and what Jesus has done. It's like That should be the motivation mm. to keep going and keep banging on of it. But I think it's just so powerful is the fact that yeah, Jesus was made like us, tempted like us, but overcame. And so we just need mm. to cling on to that. That's the whole point of the therefore in verse, yeah. chapter 3, verse 1. Yeah. Like, that's sort of, I guess pastoral summary for us is that yeah god's gonna perhaps call us in a time where food and water may be scarce or there are giants in the land but mm. yeah just keep remaining faithful to mm. him because that's jesus offers mm. a greater promised land than yeah. anything that this world can offer yeah and i love that imagery that we're given of um in the Pentateuch of not having hearts of stone but having mm. hearts of flesh and then having the law written on that heart mm. and this idea of honestly that's that's the way to ensure of not having a hard heart yeah. 
to have the law written on it. Mm. Um, I think that's beautiful. And I think that, yeah, making sure that we continue to follow God's instruction, including the instruction that's laid out for us in Hebrews, which mm. is, yeah, to persist, to remain yeah. steadfast. And that's, um, and that's, again, what I love about the book of Hebrews. It's, yeah, it's very practical. It's theology and Christology is not just in a vacuum. It's there to help and support mm people who are genuinely struggling mm. and may have been undergoing, yeah, genuine persecution, sure. like imprisonment, we don't really know. But the point is it wasn't just written in a vacuum to people who are just sitting around lounging, yeah. having a philosophical discussion. It was written for people who are genuinely struggling, like mm. you and I, who mm. struggle and wrestle mm. with our faith. And so that's why mm. I find deeply comforting about the book. I love it. Amen. So good. Well, this week we're uh, moving on. Is it Hebrews 5 and 6 this week? So actually doing a, something a little bit a little bit different mixing because I'm uh, mixing it DJ up. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we're looking at Jesus being high priest. And so that means we're going to um, kind of look at the rest of uh, chapter the. End part. This is what's annoying about the book of Hebrews. Kind of the chapter <laughs> visions are a bit weird. Sure. The last remaining verses of yeah. chapter four, which sure. is basically starts about Jesus um, being high priest, yeah. and then looking at him being come uh, a new Melchizedek, mm. and so that means that we're going to actually jump around a bit because, yeah, chapter five kind of ends about Jesus being the great high priest, and it picks up about a warning mm. about. And that's where we get the anchor passage so we're going to kind of skip over that and then jump to chapter seven about Melchizedek because I feel like it's a lot of content so Mm -hmm. I feel like let's just stick to like the high priest stuff Mm. and then we'll pick up that warning passage Mm. the week after. enigmatic character of Melchizedek for those who maybe don't know much about him do you want to just give us a little teaser before we wrap up in Genesis 14 he is the priest and king of Salem Mm. i.e. Jerusalem Mm. and it's the person that Abraham gives a tenth of his loot mm. when he rescued his nephew Lot mm. from yeah and so the, so so Melchizedek was this enigmatic character that was both priest and king mm. and Psalm 110 picks up he almost being a type of the future priesthood that is to come mm. a priest and a king mm. and that's what Hebrews argues that well Jesus wasn't the Levite he was from the tribe of Judah Mm. But really, he's from the, the tribe of Melchizedek, mm. the priest in the order of Melchizedek. So. Priestly king. Mm. So that'll be fun to unpack. Can't wait. Uh, yeah. Awesome. A lot there. Uh, well, what a joy. What a privilege. <laughs> so. Thanks for uh, the uh, chat, man. And uh, thanks thank for you. The teaching on Sunday. And we look oh. forward to continuing along yeah. this journey with you this yeah. Sunday. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Center Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.